What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to the same old Dolphin Show. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. What's up, Dolphin fans? We've got to be a pair of clairvoyant brothers. Because both of us predicted the Miami Dolphins would be 1-0 when we recorded this podcast. And guess what? We're both correct. The Miami Dolphins. 1-0. Let's, let's just retire. Let's go, go out on top. Thank you for being loyal listeners to this program. But this is it. We're done. After successfully predicting week one of the Miami Dolphins season. That's, of course... It's a little bit ridiculous. We're not going to shut down the show. We're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing it for as long as we could possibly keep doing it because the Dolphins always give us something to talk about. Even when they win in week one of the season, even when it takes seven hours, over seven hours for the Miami Dolphins to finally finish off the Tennessee Titans, thanks to a pair of extended weather delays. And uh, now I wasn't I wasn't at the game, but it seems like a lot of people were a lot of people seem to think that the delays were uh, unnecessary because I guess there was lightning in the area, but it wasn't really in the stadium and it wasn't really raining and there was worse weather coming that they were waiting for. And so you just ended up with these enormous delays, at which point you had offensive linemen in the locker room eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You had guys walking around. Is that the, what they were eating? Yeah, I believe the. I believe it was um, Sam Young was commenting about. You know, he hadn't. Uh, they had eaten. You know, at like ten in the morning or eleven in the morning, but that was the last thing he ate before the one o'clock game. And you figured, well, certainly by you know four thirty, you're able to get a little bite to eat. Well, when there's an enormous two hour delay and then another two hour delay. You got to find yourself something to eat. And I guess the best thing that was available. (laughs) Guess the best thing that was available at Hard Rock Stadium was uh, peanut butter and jelly. You can't go wrong with a PB&J, you know, sometimes. I always like to get the the best deal in the ballpark there. You know, you get the chicken tender basket. Maybe not the best idea to go to if you're going to go play play a football game afterwards. Yeah, I don't know if you want to have a chicken finger basket with French fries right before you got to go block some tough defensive linemen from the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, but if you're going to get a two-hour break, I mean, that, that gives you enough time. Gives you enough time to, to let it work its way through your system. That's no. true. That's true. But they didn't. The, the other problem is they didn't know how long the break was going to be. They were just like us. You know, they just told them there was going to be a break and that eventually they would get back out there. And then, like, apparently when it was time, they give them like a 10 minute warning that, OK, we're going out. So how do you you know, there's no good way to time that. So I think the, the peanut butter and jelly is a pretty good standby there. What if they sold peanut butter and jelly at the concession stand at, at the football game? I mean, I'd be all over it, except it would be, you know, $5 for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which is a bit ridiculous. You but you know that. I thought I would have thought I would have thought they'd have gone higher with it because this is Dolphin Stadium after all. So they would have like deluxe organic, you know, strawberries imported from, I don't know, the, the rainforest of Brazil. I don't know that they do 
strawberries in the Do they have that at Dolphin Stadium? I don't know. I'm just figuring this is the I don't you know. know. It's been a while since I've been there, but I, I don't recall gourmet food in the in the concourse. Now granted, uh the majority of the time that I've been at Dolphin Stadium was spent at the four hundred level. So I mean Oh you yeah, four hundred level is here. Four hundred levels we got gourmet the gourmet thing I saw was the chicken tender basket. That's right. The 400 level, they're giving you the um, they're giving you the popcorn that was left over from the heat game last week. Which actually, if they're giving out leftover popcorn from the heat game at Dolphin Stadium during Dolphin season, that's really, really that's a really bad situation. Well, well not only that, but they're, they're, you're saying they're shipping it from shipping it up from, over. To, from, yeah, they're shipping it from, up from, uh, from, from the side. Yeah, that's right. Shipping it up from Bayside to County Line Road, and they're. Uh, you know, hey, what are you gonna do? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta eat the old popcorn up in the four hundred level. But down below, they get you fancy imported strawberry preserves and only the finest reduced fat GF peanut butter on your wheat bread on your PBJ with the crusts cut off. Upper deck, you get crust. Sorry, the upper deck. That's where that's where it gets crusty. That's it. That's right. You get crust when you're sitting in the four hundred level. Regardless, regardless of the food options that are available. By, by the way, if anybody is going to Dolphin Stadium, if you've been or Dolphin Stadium, Hard Rock Stadium, Pro Player Park, whatever it's called now, uh, if you're there, please please give me an update. Give us the update. Tweet us at same old Dolphins. Give us an update on the kind of food available at Hard Rock Stadium. I want a comparison between the upper deck and the lower deck. Well, first, So let's have a comparison between the 400 level, the 200 club level, and then the 100 level. I want to know, I want to know all the various options available so that we can compare and contrast. But anyway, here we are recording on a Monday evening after the Miami Dolphins successfully win their first game of the season, improving to 1-0 and being the owners of the best record in the National Football League. It's not something that you can say often about the Miami Dolphins, although, I mean, you couldn't say it last year. They never had the best record in the NFL last year, but they have it this year. So that's exciting. It's exciting. You're undefeated Miami Dolphins. Of course, uh, the New England Patriots are also 1-0, and uh, though I don't know... The final score, I believe the New York Jets are also going to be 1-0 unless it was like the most uh, yeah, catastrophic, yeah, yeah. The, unless, barring the most catastrophic collapse of all time, a 48-17 to lead they had in the fourth quarter, uh, the Jets are going to be 1-0 as well. So the only team that did not get a win in week one in the AFC East was the Buffalo Bills, who had a hole stomped in them. By the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, just a brilliant decision by everybody in the Buffalo Bills organization that decided that Nathan Peterman needed to start in week one. But at any rate. Well, I think that was a, that, that might have been a we want to protect the rookie and throw out the sacrificial lamb in Nathan Peterman. Well, <laughs> I think that's what that was. I, I, I really think that's what that was. I don't think anybody in the in the Bills organization believed that Nathan Peter Peterman was going to be giving them the best chance to win. But I think they realized we don't want to throw our first round rookie quarterback who's still kind of learning how to be a pro in there with a bad offensive line, a banged up running back, not much of a receiving core against one of the best defenses in the league. 
Well, I just think he said, let's just throw Peterman out there. He, he, he can't be much worse than he was last year when he threw like five interceptions in two and a half quarters against the Chargers. And so, I mean, and they were right. He was better than that. Not by much, but, uh, you know, that was a, that was a, a, them protecting their investment, I think. Well, whatever the case may be, uh, I'm going to make a point that I will probably be coming back to shortly here on the show. It's that it's one week, so you can't really jump to a lot of conclusions. I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. NFL fans love, they are the kings of overreacting to small sample sizes. And I understand when there's only 16 games, there's only so much to respond to, but it's week one. We don't know much about these teams, nor what their uh, opponents are like. So it's hard to really make a whole lot of, jump to a whole lot of conclusions about teams. Although I think you could certainly say that the Tennessee Titans will have taken a step back after week one, after losing their starting quarterback to an injury, after losing Delaney Walker, probably for the season to an injury, and also... um, and uh, also one of their uh, starting offensive linemen. So, yeah, so it's a it's yeah. a rough situation for the Tennessee Titans. But regardless, let's dive into this game a little bit, Brain. We're going to start, as we always do on this show, with the negatives. Can I share with you some of the negatives that were shared with us on Twitter? Sure. All right. First is uh, from Hector Zazueta. He identifies a couple of things. Offensive line flags, Laramie Tunsil in particular, had him had a rough game. I, I I I added that in. I editorialized a little bit there. Third down conversions and focus at important moments like failing to convert at fourth down uh, on fourth down with a good call. I think uh, that's the play where Tannehill rolled out and threw the pass to Kenyon Drake. He just couldn't get his feet down. So that's from Hector Zazueta. Um, again, UCF. Unke, UC Fionke. Uh He says negative. Any, rela- is, any relation to Tobias Funke? I don't know, but he may have prematurely blew himself. Regardless, uh, what he says was negatives. Third down conversion was awful. Run defense was still soft, but looked better than preseason. Again, we're, we're, we're seeing the, uh, this idea. The third down conversions is, a, is an emerging theme here. Um, let's see. Those are the, those are the big ones here, uh, on the Twitter machine. So let's start with those. Really the big one is third down conversions really bad. The Miami Dolphins had a very tough day on third down conversions, two of 10 on the day. And the worst part about that is that some of, I mean, a lot of those third down failures were on third and manageable and the Dolphins still failed to convert on some of those third downs. So what what is the solution here, Brian? Um, well, I thought that they were very conservative. I also felt like, you know, on on a couple of occasions, at least on the, the first drive, uh, they again shot themselves in the foot with a false start penalty. And the, the pre-snap penalties, look, it, it continues to be an issue. Uh, I believe they had... I believe they only had one on the offensive side of the ball, but and two on the defensive side of the ball. It might have been two on either side of the ball, but last season, 36 pre-snap penalties 
led the league. And whether it was three or four, even if it was only three, that puts you on pace for 48 pre-snap penalties, which would surely lead the league again. Uh, This is something that continues to be a problem. And it's especially a problem for this offense. Because this offense, you see it. It is not built to pick up those third and long situations. And it's it's twofold. It's one, I don't think they've got a ton of talent to pick it up. I don't think they necessarily trust Tannehill to, to make those throws. And on those third and long situations, Tannehill seems very content to check down. Now, there were a couple of instances where... He checked down and receivers were able to make plays to pick up the first down. But the majority of time, you're talking even on like third and five, third and six, where they're where they're throwing the ball three yards from the line of scrimmage. I just think if you're going to consistently do that, it is a recipe for not picking up third downs. And you've got to be a little bit more aggressive than that now. Uh, in the in the second half, uh, they they seemed to open it up a little bit. Tannehill had the big pass down the field, but I think in general, uh, they just seem very content to take the short pass and take what the defense gives them. And it's fine if you don't shoot yourself in the foot with with holding and with false start penalties. And it's also fine if you can run the ball successfully on first and second down, which the Dolphins did well in this game. But you're going to get into situations where you're in second and long, you're in third and long, and if you're throwing bubble screens consistently on third and seven, you're throwing three-yard outs consistently on third and seven – you're just not going to pick it up very often. Yeah, it was uh, it was tough to watch, and uh, hopefully that's something that they can get to the bottom of. They're surely aware of it. Um, it's a it's a it's a little bit concerning. What about the positives in this game? I mean, unless you have other negatives you want to share. Well, that, yeah, I think there are go, other. Ne- well, I mean, we just we just really kind of skirted it. Uh, I mean. Uh, Obviously, the the pre-snap penalties, the third down conversions, um, the run defense, I thought for the most part was pretty good. Uh, It struggled when the game resumed in the fourth quarter. Well, and it also, one of the other areas that this team has struggled with is uh, good pass-catching running backs or something that this team has a tendency to struggle with. And Deion Lewis proved to be a problem. Uh, particularly in the second half of this game. Yeah, well, I, I think good pass-catching running backs and a player like Deion Lewis I think is going to be a problem for most teams. I thought the the defense did okay. There were some missed tackles. Um, I thought TJ McDonald did not have a very good game. Uh, he missed some tackles. Uh, Rashad Jones made a lot of plays. He missed a tackle here and there. Minka Fitzpatrick missed a tackle here and there. I think the tackling could have been better. But by and large, I thought they did okay. Uh, uh, They didn't allow very many 
big chunk plays. Um, but they also got bailed out. You had, what would it, it would have been what a, like a 60 some odd yard touchdown run by Derrick Henry that was brought back. Granted there was a hold on it, but I don't know if, if that guy doesn't hold, I, I still think Derrick Henry might have a 60 yard touchdown on that, on that run. Uh, I, I thought the defensive line held up, but the linebackers, I, I think are still very shaky. It's very obvious that, that Kiko Alonso is just, just a guy. He's a Jag. Uh, you'll, you'll see him in spots, in positions to make plays, but it's just, he's never making the big play. It's just, all right. He, the he one made big the play he ever made was uh, keeping Colin Kaepernick out of the end zone that one time. Well, no, he did make the 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 interception against Philip Rivers that oh, won them true, the game true. a couple years ago. It's not that he doesn't make plays occasionally, uh, but he's just he's not a guy that you can consistently count on to make big plays. Well, he's, uh, Mc- he, he's a he's a lot like a lot of guys on the Dolphins team. Every he's a lot once like in a while, he's going to make a great play. He, he's a lot like every Dolphins linebacker they've had basically for our entire life, other than Zach Tom. John Offerdahl. Yeah, I mean he's he's your your Morlon Greenwood, your uh, your Channing Crowder. He's your your Derek Rogers. He is an average your, NFL linebacker. Right. Your your Dwight Hollier. He's your your nice outside linebacker that's going to make some tackles, but at the end of the day, doesn't really make a difference and. Uh, McMillan and Baker, I think they're they're just green. I, I, we don't know what to make of them yet. They haven't really flashed as anything special. We hope that they grow into something, but right now, I I think the linebacker is still very much a concern. But look, I'd be remiss if you look. T- Ryan Tannehill had a nice game. Are we? Are you going to turn? Cannot, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're still talking about negatives here. Are you going to yes. turn the Ryan are Tannehill conversation say, into a negative? Are you going to say that there was nothing negative to say about Ryan Tannehill? No, I, I'm. I'm. I'm not going to say that there's nothing negative to say. I'm going to say. Hey, well, that's where we're at. What What I'm going to say is that Ryan Tannehill and his impact on this game was overwhelmingly positive. Overwhelmingly positive. Listen, uh, I don't know if you. I don't I, know if you read it. Good game. I would say he had a good game, but I would also say that you've got a a goal line situation where he's got man coverage with Gasecki and a, like a five eight corner, and he throws it in really the one place that you cannot throw the ball on a fade route with that kind of size difference. Oh, absolutely. He underthrows it badly, and that's an interception in the end zone. That is not something that should just be glossed over. Uh, I'm, not know, no matter how- I'm not saying it's something to gloss over, and certainly the other interception that he threw was a terrible pass to nobody in the middle of no man's right. land. Yeah, but the other thing is that that's just sort of who Ryan Tannehill is. Okay, Ethan, Skolnick, but if you... Ethan Skolnick wrote a great piece that I, I, I actually tweeted out. I tweeted it out from the uh, at same old Dolphins account on Twitter. 
And he talks about how he doesn't understand why there are such passionate debates about Ryan Tannehill, about whether he's great or whether he's terrible. He's not terrible. You know he's not terrible because he doesn't make a perfect pass to Kenny Stills 50 yards in the air if he's a terrible quarterback. That doesn't, he's, that doesn't happen. He doesn't lead the team on a 98-yard drive down the field if he's a terrible quarterback. It just it doesn't happen. But he's not a great quarterback because a great quarterback doesn't make those two terrible mistakes that he made in this game. He's just... He is a, and I, I can't remember what he said, but he said it's something about, like, he is basically just in a, a slightly above average NFL quarterback. And that's what Ryan Tannehill is. And that's enough as long as the Dolphins can build the rest of the team around him. That's what this season is about to sort of see where the Dolphins are in this quest to build a very strong team around a slightly above average quarterback. And I'm telling you that if Ryan Tannehill is making the mistakes that he made in the in the red zone and then in the fourth quarter, those are two huge spots where you cannot afford to make those mistakes if this team wants to win, no matter how good the team is around him, for him to make those mistakes. And you could gloss over it and you could say, oh, well, he made that perfect throw. That's true. I I think, by and large, if you take a big picture view of the game that Ryan Tannehill had, I thought he had an above average game. It was a a pretty good game that he had. But you cannot look at that game as a whole and not bring up two really bad mistakes because those are the mistakes that are going to get magnified when you talk about is he a franchise quarterback? If if this team is good, now granted, you and I don't have high expectations for this team. I think most people don't have high expectations for this team. But the team themselves, they should have uh, expectations or at least aspirations of being a playoff football team or and possibly even more than that. And if you want to be a playoff team and you want to be more than that, whether it's this year, next year, three years down the line, because the, the whole argument is Tannehill is our guy. Well, if Tannehill's your guy and you're going to be a playoff team, at some point there's going to be a magnifying glass on certain situations. And those situations are going to be red zone, third down, and fourth down, and fourth quarter. And he did not play well in those situations. Otherwise, he played great, and that's fine. But that's kind of the story of Ryan Tannehill's career. And again, not saying he had a bad game. I think when we're talking about the negatives right now, and I'm bringing up Tannehill, and I think when we get to the positives, you could bring up Ryan Tannehill. But... You cannot skim over the negatives and not bring over Tannehill and not bring up Tannehill because he was part of the problem there. I mean, you you can't just say he had a pretty good game. We're talking about everything that happened bad and gloss over a fourth quarter interception and an interception in the end zone. Fair enough. Fair enough. Those were those were big big mistakes. They were bad. They were bad plays. Um, and I think they are. 
I mean, while those are two big, bad mistakes that you really don't want to see your quarterback make, those two passes, <laughs> and you're, you're going to laugh at this, were basically the the only real blemishes on what was otherwise a pretty good performance from Ryan Tannehill. Not to downplay those mistakes, but, you know, at the end of the day, the Dolphins won the football game, so... Yeah, well, you know, last year against the Chargers, Nathan Peterman had a pretty good game, except he had five bad passes. All right, fair enough. Well, I would say that he had more than five bad passes, but that's neither here nor there. Other negatives for you in this game, Bryn? Are we ready to move on to the good things? Mm, I think that covers it. Fantastic. Let's talk about the positives in this one. Obviously, the biggest positive being the Dolphins came away with a win, a big win at home. In week one of the season, that's certainly a good thing. Uh, other positives, I think another overwhelming positive is Ryan Tannehill is a healthy player. He made it through the full game. Uh, he finished with 20 of 28 for 230 yards and a pair of touchdowns, a pair of INTs as well, was sacked one time uh, with a quarterback rating of 89.9 for this game. So pretty good numbers there for Ryan Tannehill on the day. And just just seeing him out there and having him make it through the game, it was just everything about this team looked better than it did last season when Jay Cutler was the quarterback. So certainly a good thing having Ryan Tannehill back in action. Other positives was the protection he got. I think I saw that he was only he was only pressured like three times out of 31 dropbacks in this game or something like that. It was uh the offensive line was vastly improved for for the Dolphins. Additionally, I think you have to say that uh, the Dolphins have themselves a running game. Both Frank Gore uh, and Kenyon Drake. I think Frank Gore was really the the surprise in this one. Uh, While Kenyon Drake certainly had the ball more than Gore did, Gore had nine carries for 61 yards. Drake had 14 carries for 48 yards. But it's very encouraging sign to see the Dolphins being able to run the ball as well as they have. I guess I'll throw in a negative in there because for some reason this team still found a way to get away from the running game late in the game when it was working the whole game. I'm not sure what happens there. I'm not sure why Adam Gase constantly moves away from the run even when it's working so well for him. Yes, obviously Tannehill had some success in the air, but uh, a little bit worrying for me there. Uh, other positives, Kenny Stills, just a monster day for him. Four receptions, 106 yards, two touchdowns, uh, proving to be a very good receiver. Amendola played well. Jakeem Grant played well. Five receptions for 38 yards for Jakeem Grant, including he also had a 102-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Albert Wilson showed signs of being a really great mover out there. He's He's got agility. He's able to... Uh, get away from tacklers. Uh, really, just in. Imp- I think I, you come away being pretty impressed with this Miami Dolphins wide receivers core, and you feel like, okay, I think we're going to get by without Jarvis Landry just fine, Brian. Yeah, well, I think that they've replaced what he does with numbers, assuming everybody stays healthy. Um, but you know that. That Amendola is probably not going to stay healthy. 
Um, Albert Wilson is similar, I would say, to to Landry and that he's a guy that can make some things happen after the catch, but he's not quite as dynamic after the catch. He's not uh, doesn't have why, quite Jesus, that why are you bringing this down? They had a good game. We're talking about positives. Okay. Okay, fine. This is good. Yeah. All right. We're talking but, about I mean, the good I'm, things you're, you're, they did. All right. Albert Wilson, he, he, he looked good after the catch. There you go. Jakeem See? Grant, he's, he's, he's an explosive player. Jakeem the Dream. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I mean, the receiving core, they, they're fine. They're fine. But, I mean, I, I, you, you brought up Jarvis Landry. I'm not going to just say sit here and say that, like, you know, that – that they're not going to miss Jarvis Landry. You're sitting here saying, "Don't jump to conclusions after one week." I'm uh, saying, look, "I'm." I, yeah. They looked fine after one. They played fine. They Correct. played fine. Kenny Stills played very, very well. I was and Kenny very Stills pleased. looks like he may be quietly a number one receiver. I was. Very... I think the biggest takeaway about this wide receiving group is that. Let's say Devontae Parker is cleared. Who? Yeah. Let's say Devontae Parker is cleared. What do you do with that? I, I'm I of the him, opinion. I let him have a seat right there on the bench until we absolutely yeah. need him. I, I say you have him for certain packages, um, probably in the red zone. Uh, but, you know, I don't think he needs to be out there. Uh, too much as far as the running game uh, as far as positives go you know the offensive line I thought that was one of the bigger positives uh, in in both pass protection and in run blocking Uh, and then the running backs obviously you know Frank Gore put up great numbers Kenyon Drake was having a really good game too Uh, once the Dolphins went up by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and this might you know, answer your question as far as why did they go away from the run? Well, in the fourth quarter, Kenyon Drake in his last uh, four carries of the game went for negative three yards. Uh, so granted, yes, you want to run clock. You want to be able to run the ball and, and you need to be able to run the ball when everybody knows that you're running. Uh, maybe there might be a role change there based on the way that they use both Drake and Gore. If you look at Gore's runs, and this is just, it's vintage Frank Gore, is that nobody hits that A-gap between the center and the guard, just right up the middle, that halfback dive. He just hits it so quick. And it's just, uh, whereas with Drake, it's usually the B gap or it's off tackle. It's trying to run outside. And I think when you get into crunch time and you're trying to protect the lead and run what they call that four minute offense, where you're trying to run the clock out, I think you just need to be a little bit more decisive. You need to be just downhill and that's Frank Gore time, I think. So, uh, Maybe that's an area where they could work on, but by and large, both both running backs looked great. At one point in this game, uh, you know, Frank Gore had his nine carries for sixty-one, and uh, and Kenyon Drake had ten carries for fifty-one. Meaning, at one point they were at nineteen carries 
for for well over 100 yards. So they were picking up over five yards of carry, just chunks of yardage on the ground. So I was really happy with with the running game. And keep in mind that this was against a Tennessee defense. Look, people will will say, oh, well, you beat a a banged up Tennessee team because Tennessee had had some injuries and they were major key injuries uh, on the offensive side uh, with with Walker and with Lewin and Conkley not playing and uh, and Mariota getting hurt in the game. Those are major injuries. But on the defensive side of the ball, this was a Tennessee team that was one of the best run defenses in the league last year. And the Dolphins had their way with them. Uh, you know, as far as the, the running game. So that's something new that the Dolphins, I mean, they kind of had it a couple of years ago with Jay Ajayi, and that was their recipe. The recipe was physical running and then efficient passing. And that's what it was. And, and the Dolphins had the lead in this game. They played with the lead. Um, so, yeah, I thought that that was... I, I thought the offense, I came away with fewer concerns about the offense than I had coming in. Um, and defensively, I thought that they were fine. I still have question marks about their defense, especially considering who they were playing and the injuries that Tennessee had on that side of the ball. Uh, but offensively, I think they answered a lot of questions. It certainly did. I think it was really great to see Adam Gase open up the playbook, and we've got to see Ryan Tannehill take a couple shots downfield, which is nice. It's what a lot of people have been asking for. Um, it's very clear to me that this, you know, for all the people that were complaining about the play calling in the preseason, I, I mean, this was a, obviously the Dolphins were playing it close to the vest, and you see the difference now. I mean, the offense was incredibly dynamic, I thought, on Sunday, um, a lot more creative. and You thought it was a lot – I don't know. You thought you thought it was a lot more creative and a lot more dynamic? Well, then it was – I thought it, it was in the preseason. The preseason was very straightforward, um, and, you know, they mixed it up a lot more, I guess is what I'm trying to say. They did – it wasn't – it wasn't just bubble screen after bubble screen, although there were certainly plenty of those. I thought it was. I thought it was very similar. I, I with the the difference being that they that he that Tannehill took a couple of shots, and that's about what I expected. I don't think that there was anything super creative about their offense, but I don't think there has to be. Look, I, I think football can be a very simple game, and sometimes you can complicate it, but. If you can run the ball between the tackles and keep the defense off balance, it makes it easier to throw the ball. And well, if that's you've been got a long-standing a- thing for this Miami Dolphins team, particularly with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. When the Dolphins can run the ball, Tannehill can succeed. And I think that that is something that is going to be the case for Tannehill's entire career because I don't believe that he's the type of quarterback that can just carry an offense to to being anything better than average. Uh, I think he needs to have a running game or you're going to see those mistakes and – but if you but if you have the running game and it makes his reads easier, you force the defense to be playing in man coverage. I just think it makes it a lot easier. And he's shown that he can make the throws when the reads are easy. 
and when he's not pressured and when the reads are easy. And if you can run the ball and you can protect your quarterback, then that's going to make his life significantly easier. And that's what they need to do. And that's what they did in this game. And save for two bad mistakes, he played really well. But you you got to limit the mistakes. I like the I like that uh, they won the game and Adam Gase gave them the day off. And Ryan Tannehill said, "No, nah, we still got to go in there and look at some and, and look at some game film." I like that Ryan Tannehill is taking the leadership role on this team. That's probably what I like the most about what I'm seeing from Ryan Tannehill. Is and we saw it kind of last year, kind of the intangibles that we heard, and now that that's now that you've got a guy like Landry, who I guess was kind of the heart and soul of the team, and he was kind of the vocal leader, he was the alpha male, and now he's not there. Who was going to step up and fill that void, that leadership void that uh, you know Adam Gase even questioned uh, last year? on multiple occasions, and it looks like it's Ryan Tannehill, and it should be Ryan Tannehill. So I'm happy about that. It's certainly something that you want from your quarterback is for him to be the leader of your team. Other positives in this game, Rashad Jones, obviously, with a couple of big interceptions. Minka Fitzpatrick seemed to be all over the place in this game, so very impressive. Made a big tackle on a fourth down. Uh, The Dolphins' defense was... Encouraging, particularly early in this one. Obviously, after the break, it was sort of worn down, and it, it's tough, you know, tough to come out and stay sharp in a situation like that. I think when it, when a game is delayed twice for two hours each, you know, when you get to towards the end of that, the defenses are worn down, the offenses are worn, the offenses are worn down, and I think in those situations, the offenses are going to tend to come out on top, which would explain that why a game that was 10 to 3 going into the fourth quarter ended up with a final score of 27 to 20. You just had a lot of people worn down, I think. Um, so all around a lot of a lot of positives to take from this one. As Ira Hirschhorn says on Facebook, they won a game that was delayed for four hours to a team that had three key injuries. That is a positive. And you know what? He's right. Wait, is that a positive? That is a positive. It's a positive. Listen, I mean, it, listen, if the alternative was true is if they found a way to lose a game in that situation, if you lose to It'd a team that's bad. got Blaine yeah. Gabbard as the quarterback, that's a terrible situation. It's true. It's so, true. Uh, I, so they, they found a way to win. And, and look, Tennessee had some injuries, but Tennessee was a playoff team last year. This was not... This was not some bottom-feeding team that they beat. Um, So I I came away – I think there were about even as far as positives and negatives, but I I was pleasantly surprised with the way that this game played out. I thought the Dolphins would win, um, but they looked a little bit more impressive than I expected them to. Yeah, I, I was I was happy with it. Now, I don't want to get carried away and say that I think this team is definitely going to win next week in New York, but I think you got to feel good. They've got the win. There are certainly things that need to be addressed, and we're going to see how that sort of plays out over the course of the next week. But the most important thing is this is a team that has started off on the right foot with a victory in week one, as, quite frankly, both of us predicted 
was going to happen. But it's a positive. So we're, we're happy. The Dolphins are 1-0. and And uh, I think that's pretty much going to wrap us up unless you've got anything else that you wanted to add about this game, Brain. No, I think that about covers it. Fantastic. So we'll come back to you again later this week with a preview of the Dolphins' first road game of the season, a trip to the Meadowlands to take on the 1-0 New York Jets, our hated rivals, the New York Jets. Uh, the Brain and I both have have sincere and deep hatred for the Jets in our hearts, as I would imagine most Dolphin fans do. We just, you know, you don't like the green puke. Uh, but we'll be back to preview that game later on this week. In the meantime, Brain, tell the people where they can find you. Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And I'm on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. You should also go to our Facebook.com or our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins, where you can join in the conversation, share your thoughts with us. We are always very interested and excited to hear what everybody has to say about the Miami Dolphins. And uh, we look forward to answering your questions and addressing them here on the show. Uh, you can also go to iTunes or Apple, sorry, it's uh, Apple Podcasts now where you can download, rate, and review every show. And we hope that you will take some time to do that. Write a nice five-star review for us. Give us a positive rating and uh, that'll help others to find the show. And you can also go to our SoundCloud page and uh, do a search for Same Old Dolphins. You'll find us over there. Give us a follow over there as well. We very much appreciate it. So that's going to wrap us up for this week. We will be back later on for a Jets preview. But until then, thank you for listening to the Same Old Dolphin Show. We look forward to talking to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got Dolphins, the greatest of all teams. We take the ball from